The Disc Dump Podcast presents... The Train Trainers Podcast. Starring Miles Trout and John Weber. Hello and welcome to the Trade Traders Podcast, a podcast within a podcast. This is presented by The Disc Dump. I am your host, Miles Trout, and I'm joined by my co-host, John Weber. How you doing, John? Hi, Miles. I'm doing good. Good. Uh, so I think we got some explaining to do. It has been since, like, I think it was February that we last did a Trade Traders, so we should probably be better about doing one a month on those is your, is your dog in mortal combat with something right now there's a tractor going on out, out, out there and she thinks we're being invaded of course let me let me stop her okay. Milo, come here oh so i think we should try and do this more consistently once a month but for the for sure <laughs> it sounds like the dog's breathing into the mic oh yeah <laughs> There you go. It's okay. So we're, we're also it's joined. Both of them. We're also joined by our co-hosts Willow and Layla. <laughs> <laughs> go lay down. <laughs> lay down. Um, I can't hear it through. It's funny. I can't hear it through my headphones. It's all good. Uh, why don't you introduce our co-hosts to the audience? I figure we'll just leave some yeah. of this in. Yeah. Down. I have I have two very very large dogs. A Newfoundland named Willow, who's about 170 pounds, and Layla, a Great Pyrenees. She's a petite 110 pounds, <laughs> but she barks a lot. Sounds like it. Jeez. <laughs> All right, that's why I live on two acres, so nobody can bitch about it. Yeah. I could never live in town. Yeah, not with those dogs. Your dogs would also be miserable living in town. Yeah, especially if I live. I mean, they're they're la- uh, They're big dogs. Big dogs are famous for being lazy, and they they're couch slouches. They could live on the couch, twenty three hours of the day, no no problem. But you know, she's a nocturnal dog, and she barks a lot. So if I wasn't home, she would be barking nonstop. Neighbors, Neighbors wouldn't be happy with that. Yeah, I mean, they're smart dogs too. Like they're they're definitely not dummies, but they are kind of lazy. <laughs> I uh, I had to for the audience's sake. I'm gonna tell them a funny story about a comic book hero dog that you have. Um, so I uh, I watched your house for you a while ago when you went on vacation, and Layla, your white dog, the big old dog, she uh she came in in the night at one point, and it looked like she had blood all over her head, almost like a mohawk, and it was like. I was like, this is weird, and it was pink. So I was trying to figure out what was going on, and it turned out she had berries mashed on her head. But she had a pink mohawk on a white dog, and uh, that strikes me as a very comic booky superhero thing. And that's my story. <laughs> it sounded a lot cooler in my head before it came out of my mouth. But, you know. <laughs> so today we are going to pick up where we left off. Uh, I don't remember what comic books we talked about last time. But this time, we're going to be talking about Rat Queens Volume 1, Seven Soldiers of Victory Volumes 1 and 2, and Saga Volume 1. We talked about the Drizzt comics, and I forget what the other ones oh, were. Oh, Batman. 
Batman. That's right. They're Batman. Yeah, we talked about Hush last time. That's right. So, right. Um, believe it or not, that's this uh, Trade Traders Volume One remains one of the most popular episodes of Disc Dump. So I feel like we've been doing a disservice by not continuing to do this because it definitely got a lot of listeners. Let's start with the Rat Queens. So, without giving too many plot points away, who are the Rat Queens? So, to meta game here for a second, Rat Queens or supposed to be written about kind of realistic women in a uh, in a fantasy world, but realistically shaped women and such like that. Not not these these tall, super slender women that wear chain link bikinis. Yeah. You know, they're like wear re- real clothing and, and real stuff, and they have real issues and real problems. And uh, and they are a a fantasy group, or, or what was to say a uh, a party. Yes. They have uh, they have a rogue, they have a barbarian, they have a, a cleric, and they have like a warlock slash sorceress, and I think they come with a, another fighter or something like that here and there. But I don't know, it's just just a, a different take at it. Uh, I really really like the way they put it together. Uh, I don't know, it's just just very very clever. It's it, it's it's done really well. It's it's a nuanced look at the adventuring party and i and i enjoyed it a lot plus you know women's perspective and when i was you know i'm i'm a lot older than you i'm i'm uh, in in my early 50s now and when i was young there wasn't any girls reading comic books or reading fantasy books or doing D and stuff so this is really cool that women have completely embraced this so it's you know and, and now i'm in half i mean at least half the people i play D and all that other stuff with are, are women which is fantastic. Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying that change in culture as well. <laughs> like, I, honestly, the biggest comic book nerds I know, other than you and me, are females. So it is absolutely something that reigns true. And I think that the Rat Queens is a great example of women done right in fantasy. So I think that you made good points. That's exactly what this is. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think a barbarian chick in, in chain... And in a chain bikini is is awesome, <laughs> because I'm a dude and I like that. But I, I definitely like the realistic thing, and 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 it opens the door for women to come in and participate. And I think that's more important. In volume one, I'm not necessarily. I could be wrong, but I'm not seeing a female character that I think is a barbarian. There's Betty, the rogue. Uh, I guess she's a halfling. She's got the elf ears, but she's teeny tiny. His Betty's the yeah. She's kind. Of, she's kind of like a. I don't. You haven't read the Dragonlance, but like a Kender. Mm-hmm. A Kender is like a halfling type, but in the dragon in the Dragonlance world, they're more. They they're definitely rogues. They are not fat and happy like uh like uh, hobbits are. They're more um uh very mischievous. They're quick. They're quick. Uh, but they cannot help stealing. They will steal from everybody and everywhere because they're kleptomaniacs, and they're like, "Oh, I found this. I was just holding it for you," and they totally mean that. <laughs> yeah. But but you, if you got a kinder kinder in the party, you, you you'll know where you're. If you're missing something, you'll know where to go look for it. And uh, Betty is absolutely that for sure because she's always like running around stealing stuff, but she's also like the sweet. She like gives people lollipops and she bakes things and she's like totally a sweetheart. who's like massaging people's feet and stuff. She's, <laughs> she is like real, uh, just nurturing type and she's teeny tiny. So she's cute and everyone loves her. She's fantastic. 
the character I probably have seen the least of in the first volume, at least, is D. She is a the cleric, I guess. She's the black girl who wears purple and she uh, she casts spells and stuff. Is she a cleric or a sorceress? Yeah, well, I I, kind of, I guess kind of both. Um, and she's almost like a, she's kind of like a warlock because her de- deity is is very similar to like a Cthulhu type of thing. Oh, she's definitely a warlock. Yeah, you're right. Because it even says here that my family worships a giant squid, so holidays get weird. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it's it's definitely cleric as well because it's not just her family. It's a it's a large religion. So yeah, it, it's a it's a little bit of both. So I would say it's it's a cleric slash warlock like type a, of thing, like a death cleric kind of thing. She's got necklaces with skulls on them and shit, but. She uh yeah. she doesn't have a whole huge role in volume 1 for some reason. I opened up volume 2 today. I didn't want to talk about it too much cuz I didn't finish it. And she definitely plays a bigger role in volume 2, but in volume 1 she's yeah, just kind of she's just kind of there in volume 1. And then the character that definitely steals the show is Hannah. She is a wizard with uh, sizable tatas and a sizable attitude if I had to describe her. her yeah, and, she, and uh and t- uh, she's got a tiefling background or something, right? Like a demonic background? Yeah, I think she's a tiefling. Like, she doesn't have horns, but she's got big pointy ears, and she's quite She has sassy. horns. Does she? Oh, they're hiding yep. under her hair. That's right. Yes. Right. Yeah, so she's not showing it off, but she's she's probably the uh, what the Raphael of the group, like the, the rebel sassy one for sure. Yes. Uh, and then there's Violet, who is your generic fighter type. She's a dwarf without a beard, which I know that we'll get into. But she's, like, really into the fighting aspects of things. And uh, she's a redhead, and she's got freckles. And that makes her the most attractive character in this novel, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, the plot is of the first volume is that there are... I think it's a college that they all attend, right? They like all go to one school and there's a they're training adventuring parties, right? That's the general premise. I don't actually remember that. I'm like looking at it right now and I don't want to read all the dialogue, but it's like there's a whole bunch of different groups. Like there's one group called the Daves where everybody's named Dave and they Well, they yeah, they're an adventure party. I didn't realize it was a college. I thought there was just like a, a big like town and there's just different adventuring parties. The college was a wizard college I know of. Oh, okay. Well, let me see here. Uh it I'm seeing like fighters and stuff sitting in uh in chairs that are assembled. I don't know if that makes it a college or not, but Either way, there's like different guilds of people, the rat queens or groups rather, the peaches, the four daves, the brother ponies, the obsidian darkness. They're, they're all goth and stuff. They're pretty funny looking. Anyway, so right. those are the uh, the five groups in this one. And uh, then all these, uh, they are sent to figure something out and a bunch of assassins find them and the obsidian darkness, who I think would be a hilarious group to follow, get murked right away like just immediately get killed off uh and i think the brother ponies do too but some of the daves and the peaches survive and uh all of the rat queens survive and they fight off this mercenary who is exceptionally talented in combat and i'm flipping through here they don't actually kill him i think a troll kills him big ass nasty troll kills him and then they fight the troll and 
a bunch of trolls come to like take over the town or trolls and goblins and shit and they end up having to fight off an army to save the town do you remember all that i think so that's just the general gist. I've skipped over, I'm sure, quite a lot. There's an investigation to figure out, like, what's going on. And... So so the, ca- the caveat uh, that I would have uh, to this, and I talked to, uh, uh, to you about it, the reason why I wanted you to read this and the reason why I liked the book so much, uh, the, the comic book, is is for the multiple parties kind of being in the same town and they kind of compete with each other. And it's something that I'm working on building my own D&D world and incorporating that. So when the party goes out, they are going to be, you know, they might show up and there's already another party fighting this beastie mm-hmm. or there's a, you know, or they're, they're fighting and the party shows up right behind them and takes all the uh, acclaim or steals all the, uh, the gold from beating the wizard or whatever. So I just think that's a whole nother uh, a level for like a and d game absolutely yeah i love that idea and uh this does it very well because some of the people who survive the assassination attempts they end up like popping up in the rat queen story and helping them out and at the end there's like basically everybody hooks up with somebody and there's one point where a girl is like i'm going to get super wasted tonight and i'm gonna fuck one of the daves this one and (laughs) i thought that was hilarious it's pretty funny yeah, the the whole premise of the story, like the whole the way it's written, the art, everything about this is super high caliber and I'm surprised that besides you nobody I know has ever talked about this, but this one is definitely worth a read. Like overall just very intricate. The characters are very very fleshed out. Uh the general plot is good because there's there's definitely some secrets and stuff I didn't explain, but overall and the combat is so brutal. Oh my god. People are getting their chopped yeah. into pieces and shit. It's fucking awesome. So when you get into, I, I won't go. I, I'll just do a, a quick um, preview. When you get into like the third or fourth volume, they get into like a dream sequence or something, and it's very, very confusing. It, it lost me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love this comic book so much, but it lost me. So, I, but I now own four, five, six, uh, four, five, and six, and I haven't gotten back into it. I actually. Probably gonna because when I first picked up the Rat Queens, I think it was five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. And you know, my 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 recent history is I, I had a big bump in the road for a couple of years and kind of lot, you know. So I don't remember real well some of that stuff. So I need to go back review it and then and then I'll go back into volume four, five, and six. But there is a dream sequence that I had a hard time following. Yeah. I'm not, I'm like. I think you have to go further to figure out what the hell happened. Like watching the Witcher series, yeah. you know, you watch Witcher for like one or two or three and you're like, and the time jumps that's happening. You're like, what the hell is going on? And then you get into the, the seventh or eighth episode and then you're like, Oh, okay. That's what they're doing. I think that's what's happening here. Like in the third or fourth book. Right on. I'm looking forward to that. So last time you gave me volumes one and two of the rat Queens and uh, it's been several months and apparently that's not enough time to read two comic books for me because I'm a yeah, dumb we're dumb. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get better. We'll yeah, get better. We're going to get much better at this, but I did not read Rat Queens Volume 2 completely yet. So okay. next uh, next month, I will we will talk about Rat Queens Volume 2 for sure. Is there anything else you want to talk about with Rat Queens? No, I think that covers it. I mean, it's just, it's excellent. I don't see anybody not 
liking it a lot. It's excellent. It is like it's just super well everything the art the writing the character development all of it is super well executed so i'm surprised that this isn't one of those ones that's like winning awards and stuff because it's it's better than a lot of comics that i have consumed yeah and you know it doesn't matter whether it's written by women or or any of that stuff whether or not we are talking about women or whatever the writing and all that and the plots and all that stuff is completely whether it has women or men or whatever they're all fantastic it's just so well made you know, plus you know the fan the fantasy genre having a comic book talking about adventure parties is something i've been thirsting for and there's only been a few there's really not that many out there and generally most of the ones that are out there are novels turned to comic book format so this is actually you know uh, a standalone it's not a not a novel that was converted it's actually made for comic book format which is fantastic do you think that it was made from a D&D game that they turned into a comic, or do you think it's just straight from the dome? You know, actually, uh, listening to Dragon Talk, that that uh, that podcast from the uh, the guys that actually run D&D. Greg Tito. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, he's the one that, that does the, uh, the interviews and stuff. They actually had the authors on there at one point, and I, they said something about it. I Actually, I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't think so. If I remember correctly, no, but uh, but I think a lot of people are using this to for inspiration, though. For sure, because it's it's good. It says it's rated M for mature. I didn't know that they rated comic books like that. <laughs> uh, I didn't either. It's uh, it's by Image Comics because they would definitely be brave enough to show people getting chopped up and such. Uh, and it's by Curtis J. Yb and Rock Upchurch. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to look for them on Dragon Talk and see if I can listen in because it's... I'm sure that mo- anybody that's actually listening to this podcast probably knows, but Image Comics is, uh, they are basically, they have a world, they're not a shared universe like Marvel or like uh, like DC where everybody's in the shared universe. Th- these are basically a conglomeration of uh, standalones. It, Image just does, you know... They do everything. A lot of people probably watch the the TV shows uh, Deadly Class, and uh, there's just a bunch of other one, uh, bunch of TV shows that are coming out right now that are all imaged, and they're all different worlds. So, yeah, they're they're if like if DC and Marvel are number one and two, number three is definitely Image as far as. Uh- Probably now, yeah. Yeah, the only one that even might compete is Dark Horse, and I couldn't name you a Dark Horse comic, so that's why I think Image is probably number three. Predator. Predator versus Alien. That's a Dark Horse. Is it? Oh, you're right. Yeah, and I, but also I have uh, like... Off the top of my head. I have Predator versus Batman as DC, and I have Alien versus Superman. That's also DC, so I don't know. Anywho. <laughs> I think Dark Dark Horse is, is connected to uh, DC, actually, if I remember Really? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just like dynamite. Dynamite, I think, is connected to Marvel. You're right. Yes. Okay. So yeah, all I'm looking across my uh, my heating duct in my basement here, my little den, and I have a whole bunch of uh, Forgotten Realms comics and Dungeons and Dragons comics, and it looks like I don't know. Uh, there's a couple of dynamite ones that are pathfinder and idw i don't know what brand that is and dc owns forgotten realms comics yeah it it, it, they um basically i think that dark horse and stuff is like is dc that's not in the shared universe 
Gotcha. That that would make sense. Yeah, and I think Dynamite does the same thing with Marvel and stuff. That they're not in the shared universe of Marvel. You won't we won't show you know the elves popping up in the middle of a of an Avengers book. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it looks like Dynamite is where all the Pathfinder ones are, and Pathfinder is essentially D and D but slightly different. So, yeah. So that's how all that works. Uh, I mean, I also am, don't take me as an authority on any of this shit. All the hardcores out there, I don't really want your emails telling me how wrong I am. Anyway, um, so. <laughs> yeah, we're not hardcores. No, I don't think we're hardcores. I mean, we're hardcore enough to do a podcast, but not hardcore enough to know what we're fucking talking about. <laughs> it's still entertainment for me. Yeah, me it's, too. It's not. It's not life. It's it's entertainment. Exactly. That's where I'm at too. Speaking of which. The comics I assigned you were my bathtub entertainment for several months when I was down at my girlfriend's house when, before we lived together. I would sit in her bathtub and read for like 30 minutes at a time because there was nothing else to do because I didn't live there. And what would those comics be, John? The uh, Soldiers of Victory. Seven Soldiers of Victory by Grant Morrison. Right. Apparently, I didn't realize how big of a distinction it is that it's by him because apparently there have been lots of iterations of this. Oh, and I gave you that little, uh, the one from the 80s or whatever that was issue one. Did you read that one by chance? Oh, I, I think I started it and it lost me. So I, I can't really go into that one. Sorry about that. I kind of forgot about that one. It's all good. I forgot about it till right now, too. It's really bad. So it's just like the origin. It's not even the origins. It's just a bunch of superheroes going, we can be the Justice League, too. Here, let's stop this bad guy. Meh. Boy, let's send him yeah. off to jail. Like, it's it's old comic book style for children. And I wouldn't say that the Grant Morrison ones are for children at all. No. No, no, it's pretty, yeah. So, if I recall correctly, the first one is a guy assembles a team of superheroes, right? And they go to hunt a giant spider or something? I don't think anybody's been assembled at this point. I think it's all, it's all backstories. Or it's all, it's all, yeah, it's all origin stories, basically. Or, or I, I wouldn't say origin, but that you're, you're seeing where these seven different people are at, um, like at now, yeah. What 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 they're doing, or how you know, maybe briefly how they became. Uh, you'll get a quick history of how they became somewhat powerful, and then what they're doing right now. But as as far as I could see, they have not totally been pulled together yet. No, not, not at the end of this volume. Not in volumes one or two. The very beginning of volume one is a team gets assembled to go hunt down like a spider or something, and they're like the classic seven soldiers of victory. And then right, 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 right. The uh, it, what is it called? The happening or something happens, and they all get executed. Yes, that did happen. Yes, and so it's not the seven soldiers that we're following in the overall book, but yes, that does happen. I watched um, I forget what it was, Justice League Dark, I believe it's called. It was on Hulu, and that's one where Constantine ends up in charge of the the Justice League for whatever reason. But most of the seven soldiers from the very beginning of the first volume are in that movie. So I was like, oh, shit. Okay, cool. This is their story. And then they just get brutally just ripped apart by just this evil dark force that comes creeping in. And the whole premise of the seven soldiers of victory is to, like, stop that evil force from hitting, basically, Earth. So it's, like, the backstory. The first two volumes are backstories for, I believe, five of the – several of the characters – I don't remember exactly which ones 
Basically, the whole premise of this, though, is that Grant Morrison is a really eclectic writer, and he had done a whole bunch of superhero shit for DC, had done a whole bunch of superhero shit for Marvel, and he was like, just give me a bunch of C-listers, and I'll make them great. And I think he fucking nailed it. Um, yeah, I, I don't feel like I'm there yet. I mean, so? uh, I, no, I, I, I mean, I'm kind of enjoying it. it. There's a lot of, he's not, is not, they're not sticking with, um, a section, a, a person long enough for me to understand because he keeps jumping and some of the stuff, this, the language, some of it, it's, uh, using different languages and uh, different mythologies and stuff. And I don't understand. I'm at the, even at the end of this, they're using words for like reavers or not reavers, but grievers or something like that. And I'm not understanding what the hell they're talking about. So that he's, he's pulling it together, but there's just so much going on that I, I, I'm still haven't been able to connect it. And it's, so it's, it's been somewhat, the, the artwork is amazing, and I like the fact that uh, each different character they talk about has a different style of artwork. Mm-hmm. But they bring them together, and it blends. It's it's cool. But they do, they are definitely using different style of artwork. Yet when they when a couple of those, those characters come together, they are using the different style of artwork together on the same page. Yeah, that's that's definitely part of the genius of these comics, in my opinion. Is that like. They, it's almost like they're all written by completely different people and drawn by completely different people and they come together, but it's really like just a handful of people who do the art and, uh, Grant Morrison wrote it all. Um, so guardian is the, probably the main character of the first one. He's the black guy that they, uh, he's like a super soldier basically. And what happens with, he like gets tested by some billionaire who's like, I want to see if you're superhero worthy. And then he basically gives him a shield and a suit, right? Yeah, I think he was a military guy, and he just kind of uh, fell out on his luck, and he's just uh, totally depressed and stuff, and then he's got this opportunity. And he's actually kind of like, so I guess in this world, the um, the newspaper uh, world's decided not to, uh, not just to follow other superheroes and do their stories they decided to have their own superheroes to be part of the story so technically he's a superhero slash journalist he's like i'm a reporter you know <laughs> daily news here hey so he's a, a news reporter at the same time also being like a superhero level yeah so that's and for that i reason, don't know if he's, like, explain that. he's like the face of the operation then because of that like he's the popular one that everybody knows about um right there are really only I think there's really only three of them that at least as far as I remember there's only three of them that the first two volumes really focus on. He is probably the main one. And then there was a guy, he was a little dude, what's his name is uh He's the he's the uh the pure one from uh I think it's Justin or, or something like that, but he's one of the supposed to be one of the knights of the round table, but the the pure the, the only one that that uh that still lived shining from the knight. nights of the round table. Yes. They call yeah. him Justina, the shining knight. He was pretty cool. And he has like a winged horse and shit. Right. What happens with him? Well, he, uh, I, he, 
Yeah, I think he comes to New York City. He yeah. he gets in this he gets in this um what do they call it the revolving castle or something like that. Yeah, he gets in the moving castle and he battles like the big bad single handedly with his flying horse, and he gets chucked into a big stew basically that throws him into New York City into the present time or something. Yeah, he operates something called the revolving. I think it's called the revolving castle, the revolving fortress, and it is a time, kind of a. Uh, I think it, it's a it's a it's a time traveling device or a planar device or whatever. But he ends up going about ten thousand years to the future. I think is what is what it is, and he shows up in New York City, falls on the ground. His horse is flying. His Pegasus basically. Uh, each each shit and you think it's dead but then you find out it's not but they arrest him because he's got a big sword with blue blood all over it yeah and he's like ripping off doors to cars and stuff and it's exactly honestly it's everything i have a problem with with time travel movies but done decently like oh no here comes an iron chariot what is this beast i must slay it and it's like cars like every fucking time travel movie ever has this stupid fucking trope in it and everyone just needs to get over it it is not funny and it's not cool anyway that's fucking time travel anyway i hate time travel shit the uh, let, let me go back to let me go back to guardian real quick okay. the cool thing about uh so it, what they've um connected with the guardian is the main thing is that there there are these subways that they have turned into pirate vessels so it. each different each different subway has pirates on them and there's like the uh captain no beard and captain all beard and all these different ones and that they're competing for things but they are completely ruthless and they they do they kidnap people from the subway platforms and they apparently can like travel through brick walls and things like that too but it's it's pretty funny so instead of ships it's subway it's subway trains that's my favorite part (laughs) i was gonna save that for later but yeah that's my favorite part of this whole comic (laughs) book series is that they're subway pirates and guardian like gets involved trying to find somebody's dad and he ends up on the the pirate ship subway trains and is like fighting a bunch of pirates and i was just like what the fuck is going on (laughs) this is the greatest thing i've ever read (laughs) yeah but um actually i just remembered another character too so he does his thing and then shining knight justina he gets arrested and it turns out that at this point in the future there's like some bad guy that's been waiting for him that infiltrated the cops or whatever and he basically has to like fight his way out of the cops because his interpreter turns out to be like some agent of darkness that tries to kill him right something like that i'm not sure i mean that the the big strange looking monster that's following him around is guilt oh that's right guilt monster is a thing too it's it's just it's just his conscience but it, they 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 manifested it in this large black thing full of green eyes yes that's right <laughs> so it's just following him around telling him why he should be guilty Oh yeah, and you screwed this up, and oh yeah, and all the all the uh, knights at the round table died because you left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> so. I think the evil like darkness monster is per- like personified it because they're trying to break his spirits or whatever, and then of course he can't be broken because he's the chosen one with the big special sword or whatever. And I think it's the end of the second one. He's like punching helicopters to death and stuff because there's like everybody's chasing him. Then there's the uh, magic girl, the girl that who's uh, yes. Zan- whose dad 
dad was a magician and I guess their main skill is if they can say a word backwards, it, 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 uh, it automatically manifests. Like, uh, if you could say taxi appear backwards, uh, a taxi will show up. Yeah. Uh, her name is Zatanna. Pretty exciting. Yeah. You're better. You're better at remembering names than I am. I'm looking at a list on Wikipedia right now. (laughs) So Zatanna, She's the one with the magic top hat and stuff. Uh, she so if you say words backwards, it comes out to be magic words or whatever. Uh, doesn't she fight like an evil painting or an evil mirror or something in the comic? I don't remember that. I, I remember um, there's like two things about her. One is that she used. I think she lost her power. Mm-hmm. Yet she is still able to harness other people's powers. So what she does is she could pull people into like a seance. Other people with with powers, and she could That's right. pull them into a seance, and they can go into another plane of existence or whatever. But apparently, every time she does it, it kills everybody else. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. And some millionaire like invites her to his home or whatever to have a seance. Right. Uh, yeah. But he doesn't participate. He just sits and watches. And it's and like, he's like you, you did it again. <laughs> There's like an evil wardrobe or something that she and her friends have to like fight. I don't remember exactly what it is. Uh, I don't remember seeing that in this one. It should be in the first volume, I think, because this the second volume is where she like does the seance and stuff. But no, she she does the seance in the first one. Okay, so then it's the second one that she fights I, a ghost in a, a cabinet or something. Yeah, I I, I think or. Or maybe near the end. Okay, I got the mirror. It's at the very end, and I don't think I got through the last couple pages, so oh, I can't okay. speak to it. Sorry about that. Oh, okay, that's like the climax of her story is when she fights this weird thing in a mirror. Um, and then the so that's three of the four characters I particularly remember, and then the last character, his story is so fucking weird, and it is majority of the second volume, and that is. Clarion, the witch boy, the blue boy. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Uh, they, and I don't really understand a whole lot of what's going on with that. They all look like Puritans. Mm-hmm. And they keep on, like, everybody's worshipping a creature called Croat, Croatoan. Yeah, something like that, yeah. It's like yeah. Salem Witch Trials kind of vibe to his story. And he has a cat that he can talk to. and Right. He ends up like, I don't remember what his call to action was, but everybody gets pretty mad at him for some reason. And he ends up going through a portal and ends up in the sewers where rats are like in charge, right? Isn't there like a point where I don't don't remember seeing I don't remember ever seeing that yet. I, I, because to be honest with you, I don't understand what's going on with that part of the story. They, They like, they could bring their, their relatives back from the dead and only their relatives and their relatives are like, Oh, bring me back. You know, <laughs> he's got his, his zombie dad is that zombie grandfather piling rocks for some reason. I don't know why they're piling rocks, but it seems to be very important. Yeah. I don't remember any of that. I literally finished yeah. volume two last July. So we're looking at may right now. Right. So it's been I, a I little did, too I, long for me to remember the details unfortunately yeah we need to do this the next ones need to be like we read them in the month and we refresh and we know exactly what we're talking about like i haven't actually read the the first volume of rat queens in about four or five years yeah we're gonna need to be a little sharper on it um so 
we yeah and we'll talk about that a little bit more so in general that's uh seven soldiers of victory volumes one and two in general they all like so, converge at one point right so we go with the theme of uh just dumping or not like that i guess it was a little hard to get into there are some uh i don't understand what they're going to yet but i am interested by the time i got to the end they got me hooked me too so i'm interested in reading the rest um, the, the, like I said, the artwork is different styles and they, they bring them on the same page, different styles, which believe it or not works. And I like that. Yeah. Um, they execute it super well. Um, I, I tried to look up information on these comics and what ended up coming up. The first link was goodreads.com and I clicked on it and my review is what came up. So apparently this is not a popular comic book series. If things I wrote are number one, cause I am not famous. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, not yet. I think that we are, we have currently the most appreciation for these novels, but, uh, so I was looking at that and then I wanted to buy three and four because it's a four part series. And, I had the opportunity to buy them at first and I wasn't sure I was going to like them. So I didn't buy them. And now I went online and looked, I had to spend like $25 on volume three. I can't believe I spent that much on a fucking comic book because volume four was $5. But for some reason you can find all the volume fours you want, all the ones and twos you want, but volume three is hard to come by. So like I saw a range of prices for that shit. So I ended up with, I think it was like $25 for volume three. So if you get into it, just know that the, well, you can get all four of them for $30 on eBay, but I wasn't trying to buy more copies anyway. So it's kind of hard to come by three, but otherwise I think it's pretty worth it. I'm excited to see how it concludes. Maybe next month I'll assign you with three and four, but you assigned me with a extremely popular, very beloved comic. That is not a superhero comic to read as the final segment of this podcast. And that is saga, right? I experienced with Saga what you experienced with Seven Soldiers of Victory in that I don't know what the fuck happened, but I know I liked it. Right. Yeah. Like I, I think I when I first told you about it, I said, this is going to be like nothing you've ever seen before. They take all genres and mash them together. I mean, they have uh, – you haven't gotten to it. You're in only episode one, but you're going to come across soap operas. You're going to come across tree spaceships. You're going to come across – I mean, it's it's got – everything mixed together there there is no rhyme or reason except they made a universe out of it yeah i uh, i ended up at tree spaceships at the very end of the first one here and i thought i was going to be slick and not have to read it so i went on youtube and i typed in saga and they had an animated comic that somebody made and they like erased all the words on the pages and just like did voice acting with it and i was like cool awesome it turned out it was just like chapter 1 and it was like 40 minutes of me watching this so i ended up actually reading it i actually read the whole thing front to back again today just to like refresh my shit and i'm still like this is the craziest, weirdest shit I have ever read. It's so strange. Um, so there's two, there's a moon and a planet that are at war with each other, and it's apparently expanded across the entire universe. Is that? Yes. It basically, the rest of the universe has has taken taken sides. So everybody's involved in this war, and for the most part, the war is everywhere else but at the at the planet moon. Yeah, that's what it seems the, like. And like the so the people who are on the moon side are called moonies and what are the the um the the wreath? Is that what it's called? 
wreath, yeah. Yeah, so the wreath are the people who are on the side of the planet, and the moonies are on the side of the moon. And the people, the wreath people, their leaders are just bodies with TVs on their fucking heads for some No, 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 no. Somehow, they're from a different planet. Those are, then they got pulled into the battle, and they are considered royalty, and they are in charge of uh, the planet's military, but they are not from that planet. So it's the people from the moon are magical beings and they have horns. Yeah. They all have different types of horns. And, and the, you can, if you're born, it could be any, they could be antlers. It could be tiefling horns. It could be ram horns, just, but some type of horn. And then everybody on the planet from the, the actual people that are from the planet, the natives are all have wings. Mm-hmm. Right, and the, the 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 robots are from a different planet. Okay, but but they have been pulled into the. They're on the same side as the wings. I thought wreath was the moon. It it could be. I've just seen them say wreath, and I've seen them call people moonies, and I don't remember. What yeah, the I think it's just this. I think it's the moon. Okay. Wreath is the moon, and yeah. And the the guy's name is the girl's name is Fiona, right? No, that's the writer. That's the writer, is Fiona. God damn oh, or it. the artist. I'm the, the worst the when artist, it comes to names, and that's what makes this like a hard thing to do as a podcast. Is I can't remember anybody's. I don't know. Is it like Alana or Alana or something? Alana, like that? that's right. It. It's Alana. Yes. Yeah. And of course, they don't write people's fucking names on the backs of comic books to let you know what the synopsis is. It's just people saying, "Boys, that's good." Anyway, so Marco, Marcus, something like that. I haven't. Yeah. My notes are all on my phone, which is what I'm using to talk to you, so I can't like look at them. But basically, yeah, it's either Marco or Marcus, I forget which. Yeah, so it's it's basically D and D versus uh, sci-fi is the first one at least. So uh, all the moon yes, people, yes, the people on the the people on a planet are uh, science based mm-hmm. technology, and the people on the and and also very militaristic, and the people on the moon are uh, they're, they're they're militaristic, but they're it's all around magic. Everything they have magic, but apparently magic has a big cost. So they can't use it. Yeah. Like I know at one point they have to cast a spell that costs a secret. Like you have to share a secret you've never told anybody. And it was like, she was like, I enjoy the taste of my own breast milk. And it, the spell went and he goes, how'd you figure that out? And she goes, my daughter threw up in my mouth yesterday and it didn't taste too bad. And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> <This is so laughs> it's, it's written with the same kind of tone that Joss Whedon writes his movies in that, like nobody's emotions get the better of them. And they all just have like a sense of humor about how horrible the situation around them is. So I thought that was actually hmm. kind of charming that it was like nobody's really freaking out even when the babies are being born the first line in the comic book is uh fia no not fia fia no uh what are we elena she goes am i shitting it feels like i'm shitting and she's giving birth (laughs) and like that's how this whole thing starts is her saying that so like they obviously have a sense of humor yeah they they obviously have a sense of humor and she gives birth and then the rest of the story is from the perspective of the baby which i thought was kind of funny like she's always like oh and this is what my parents did next even though she's like a teeny tiny baby so it's them basically running from science people trying to find their way to a spaceship and get away from the science people but yeah. there's a bunch of other crazy characters in there too. Like 
I don't know what the seahorse man was all about, but he was pretty cool. Just a guy who's a seahorse. He's like, I got jobs if you want. He's like the the bounty man who gives the bounties to bounty hunters. Yeah, I, I, he doesn't show up anymore. I'm like, I'm in volume mate. I don't remember. He never shows up again. But the bounty hunters are pretty prevalent in the story. Yes, yes they are. Uh, the main bounty hunter is named The Will. And right. he, he has a cat called Lying Cat that can detect whenever yes. someone's lying. And The Will Lying is... Lying Cat's awesome, by the way. Lying Cat's pretty fucking cool. And The Will yeah. is like, he's okay with murdering people, but he's not, uh, totally against child prostitution. So he like right. he and he like crushes somebody's head for pimping out a child, and he's he seems pretty wild. And then who was the other one? Uh, her name is the Stalk. So she's like a spider lady. She was fucking cool. She she has like arms that all have like guns and axes and machetes and shit. Yeah. And a proboscis that she st- stabs the main dude in the neck with. Yeah, she's she's kind of like a. What what we would call um, in the D and D world a drider, but not mm. but not dark. I mean, she's light skin versus dark skin, but she's basically got got the almost has a regular humanoid top torso and faces stuff, but the body of a of a spider. Yeah, she has much. she has a a very attractive female. T- uh, I guess they call it trunk in the medical world, and then her torso. Head- yeah, well, torso, trunk, you know, same shit. She has great boobies. Uh, and then her face <laughs> has eight eyes on it. So that's a right. little weird. And then she doesn't have arms, but instead below her waist, she has eight arms. So she's like right. fucking crazy. And she's bulletproof, apparently, even though later she gets shot and killed. Um, Yeah, so uh, overall, I found this extremely entertaining. And I told Lindsay that she has to read this before I give it back to you. Because I really enjoyed it. And it ends with the main dude's parents show up and they kill a ghost. Oh, and there's ghosts, apparently. <laughs> yes. The ghosts are – one ghost, like, binds herself to the baby. I don't think there's anything that's not in this. There's, I mean, yeah, there's – it's no holds barred. There, everybody – everything is in this. And it was fantastic. And I understand why it won uh, – uh, what's – What's the the Juno Award? Is that what it's called when uh, it's a sci-fi award? Hugo. Hugo. That's right. The Hugo. So this comic won a Hugo Award, which is not something that most comics earn. So the fact that this got a Hugo Award and a previous episode we talked about the Watchmen. Watchmen got a Hugo Award, too. I don't know of any other comics that got a Hugo Award. So it's even though it's come up twice on this podcast, it's a pretty rare thing. Yeah. So it's pretty sweet. It's it's fucking dope. So I'm actually looking forward to not for the podcast, maybe for the podcast. We'll see. I want to borrow <laughs> part two of Saga, which I know turns into a soap opera or whatever. No, that that's later. But uh, remember, I'm like seven or I, I'm like I'm on I own n- nine volumes, but I think I'm in the middle of six or seven right now. But uh, for some reason, I remember this one a lot better. I remember more of the details in this one a lot better than some of the other ones. I, I think it's just because it got my attention better. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like, uh, just for everybody that's listening, Miles and I, and me in particular, are severely ADHD. I have been my whole life. I'm, I managed to have a military career. I think I like the structure, and that's why I was able to survive in it. I was able to, the structure kept me focused. But when it comes to reading things, I read 
six books at one time. I'm doing all, all these other things, but for whatever reason, as crazy as Saga is, it got my attention. And I remember a lot of the details better than like the seven soldiers of victory. I just, I don't know, just because. Your ADD like really... is, is totally different than mine, though, because Seven Soldiers of Victory grabbed me because I read things like three pages at a time. So I'll read like three pages and then I'll walk away from it and I'll just like digest those three pages for like 10 hours and then I'll come back and I'll read three more pages. So that's kind of how like you read a whole bunch of shit. You don't stop reading. You just keep reading, whereas I can't focus on just reading for a while. So I'll read right. and then I'll do something else. And when I come back to it, I'm like excited because that's where I'm I'm picking it up right where I left it off or whatever. So that's why I like really complex comics, because I give myself an opportunity to really digest it before I just like blow through the rest of it. Yeah, if, if it doesn't fully pull me in, I have a hard time. And, and I think when you first gave this to me, the, the, uh it was a kind of a rough time of the year for me. So I was having a hard time focusing, but now uh, this past couple of days, I've been reading a lot more into it and getting pulled into it. So anyway. Yeah. I mean, I suggest like when the next two volumes come in, I'm going to read them, but then I'm going to give them to you to read. So maybe you should yeah. like rebrush through those two before you get into the next volumes. Cause I'm eager to figure the very last, not now we're jumping around, but I don't give a shit. So the last thing I remember from volumes two of seven soldiers of victory was that they bumped into like this mafia guy who's been collecting relics that happen to be everybody's main weapons. And he like assembles everybody and he's like, okay, let's do this. And he's like the fifth person of the seven soldiers. I don't remember exactly. I remember he lives in California and everybody else was like all over the globe. Well, there's the one mafia guy that, that gets pulled into the story because I guess his guys find the winged horse. Yes. That's yeah. So that's why he's, I don't know much about him other than he's got the winged horse and uh, yeah. I think he's like the Bruce Wayne of the group. He's just the guy who has unlimited funds that can do whatever it is they need him to do. But I'm going to find out more in volume three, I guess, because he's on the cover of volume three. So I'm excited about that. Those are the comics that we traded back and forth is Saga, Rat Queens, and Seven Soldiers of Victory. Um, is there anything else you want to say about Saga before I bring us to the next phase of this podcast? Um, I, I would... All I would say is that uh, in Saga, you know, I have the multiple volumes. There's something, they do time jump, like in between volumes, they, they could be two years or three years further along ahead. So be prepared for that. Um, you can often gauge where they are in the timeline by how big the baby is. You know, <laughs> okay. she's a little girl, she's a little bit bigger and stuff like that. They do a little jumping around, but for the most part, usually between volumes, there's some type of time. Uh, a couple months have gone by or, or whatever. Um, they never stop surprising you. That's the one thing about the saga. You never, you don't get comfortable in the world you're in because something else will pop up or there'll be a new type of creature or a new type of planet or new type of reality or new type of magic or new type of something. But every stage you get into it, it, it they keep surprising you. So, I mean, I know that I'm supposed to be rooting for the good guys and stuff in Saga, but I'm most intrigued, which is stupid. I shouldn't be, but I am most intrigued by Prince Robot the Fourth, who is the guy with the TV on his head. For some reason, like, 
he every moment that you've seen him in in the comic he is respected and revered and anyone who like fucks with him he just fucks him up immediately without any hesitation or any problem he just knows that oh okay you're gonna be an asshole bam you're dead fuck you and i don't know why i'm just like most compelled by his character and i'm really looking forward to his character development yeah and those uh, of all the ridiculous stuff that's in this they probably make the least amount of sense in reality mm-hmm. i mean we're talking about fantasy stuff but yeah his dad his dad is the king is the king of the planet because he's a prince so his father is actually the king of the robot planet and has the head of a um his head is a giant big screen tv <laughs> like like the one you would see at a sports thing that like takes up a whole wall mm-hmm. that's his father it's pretty funny there's a music video uh there's a band called blockhead they did a music video for uh the cartoon network show off the air this is the best music video ever it's called the music scene you guys should look it up it's got people with tvs for their heads i'm gonna send it to you john it's fucking incredible music video and uh the whole time every time i'm reading this comic and i see the guy with the tv on his head that's what i think of maybe that's why i'm so connected to him is that this blockhead song is just like stuck in my head. Anywho. That's funny. Yeah. So anyway, uh, and my review is that I really like the saga. It's, it's, I wouldn't say it's my favorite of all time. I definitely like the, uh, like the rat queen type of world. I love the D and D world. I'm a big science fiction fan too, but I love the D and D world and any comic book that's around that is probably going to be my one, one of my favorites if, if it's well done, but this does bring the worlds, the sci-fi worlds and the, and the fantasy worlds together for sure. And I enjoy the hell out of it. I, I I wouldn't, I don't see why this one won all kinds of awards when the rat Queens didn't, but regardless, I like both of them quite a bit. Yeah. And I mean, I liked both of them very thoroughly too. I think I liked rat Queens a little bit better, but I don't like modern fantasy things where it's like, Oh, time travel fantasy world in modern day times. Oh, there's a society of vampires, blah, blah, blah. But this doesn't really do that, Saga, because Saga isn't need, in modern times either. It's just like in its own fucking weird shit. You need to get rid of that thing about mo- modern fantasy because you have to read the the Dresden Files. They, they are so good. Do they have comics? They do. I, I have them in comics, yes. I have them in com- comic book format. Well, Some of them maybe uh i don't i don't know what you're planning for me for this time but we're gonna get into the assignment segment here so if not this time maybe next time you'll assign me some dresden shit but that said i'm excited to tell you what your assignment is for next month okay i am assigning you an image comic again like we talked about image uh it is going to be the spawn origins collection volume one so it is volume one of spawn so from the beginning of spawn until like six or seven issues in is what i'm going to be assigning you so i don't know if you've ever read spawn but i grew up with some spawn in my life and i'm almost through it right now as my refresh so I'm hoping you're ready for Spawn. Well, I, I had the uh, I bought when, when I bought the movie or the McFarland is the name of the author, right? Yes. Is it Todd McFarland? Mm-hmm. Um, I have the his like four DVD pack uh, with all the animated comics on. So I've 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 watched the animated comics and I've, and of course the movie that was there. So I'm familiar with that much, but I don't I haven't done a lot of the actual comic book reading. I uh, I actually just watched the first couple episodes on HBO. It's on HBO and it's on uh, 
Amazon Prime. I watched the first couple episodes. They are different from the comics. So it's not exactly spot on. But it, it this the plot is the same. It's just the actual. It's not frame for frame the same thing like the uh, the Watchmen comic was. It's definitely different. Okay. Uh, so what you got for me? So what I'm going to do is, uh, it, unfortunately, and I didn't know this was happening, the television show has come out just just recently. Uh, it's a series that I have, uh, but like I said, I just uh, I just uh, there's a TV show on it now, uh, and it's similar. It's not, it's uh, it's basically goes by the, the same idea pattern, but they changed some things. I think some of the stuff in the comic book was a little brutal, but uh, lock and key. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I have these comics, and uh, they're, they're they're rough. They're actually written by Joe Hill. Okay. Who, who uh, those of us in the know, is Stephen King's son. Mm-hmm. Also the yeah. author of so, Horns? Yes. Yes, which I finally watched the movie, and it was pretty excellent. I read the book, mm. and I finally watched the movie, and it was pretty excellent. That I guy, love Harry that Potter movie. does a good job. Yeah, I love that movie. I thought that movie was fantastic. The book's even better. But it's pretty close. Mm-hmm. It's pretty close. They 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 touch into most of the same thing. You get a feel for how evil the bad guy really is, or devoid of feeling and stuff. Yeah, he's pretty nasty. Mm-hmm. Nothing's worse since we're talking about horror. Nothing's worse than the evil guy being the guy you thought was your best friend. Right. Ah, the betrayal. Yeah. yeah. So you're yeah, giving me lock time. and key. I didn't realize lock and key was Joe Hill. Yes, that's him. I thought it was like and anime. I, and I think I have the entire series, so I don't know if you want me to give you the whole series and you just we'll, – we'll do one book at a time. We'll do one book at a time. I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. Um, I'll go ahead and uh, I'll, I'll read this um, in the next day or two so that it's fresh – the first one's fresh in my brain, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'll get it to you. Sounds good because, yeah, I'm going to have to finish Spawn before I give it to you so it's fresh in my brain too. Okay, so uh, I know that last time we played a card game or whatever, but this one is running a little bit longer than I anticipated, and I have to go to bed. So we're going to skip out on the card game of developing our own superhero this time. But next time, we'll make a point to tie in the story and all that stuff to the last one. So in, uh, I guess, probably June, you'll hear more from the Trade Traders podcast. Okay, just want to just want to you know mention that in Image Comics, a lot of a lot of them are not about superheroes. There's just stories. Yeah. So a lot of the comics I'm going to be coming up with are there's no superheroes in it. There's just interesting things happening. So it's just, you know it's, there's no superheroes in Saga. They're kind of a a, a, a multiple adventure parties and lock and key is just a story yeah and i didn't realize lock and key is image too idw actually oh okay yeah i have a whole bunch of idws in front of me i don't know what that is huh um so yeah they uh we will be talking about all of those then um would you say image is your favorite yes well i mean i i grew up as a big marvel fan i i i love the fantastic four when i was a kid i loved the original x-men and all that stuff so Marvel will always have a uh, – uh, I will always love Marvel, but the problem is is that there there have been so many stories about each character going so many different directions, and there's evil ones, and there's different plans that I, I'm a type of linear guy I need because of my ADHD. If I can't stick with a linear story, it gets too confusing for me, and I get frustrated with it, which is why I'm into image because – 
I can do, it's not, it's not a shared universe. You know, each one has his own little world and that's soothing for me. Mm. <laughs> you understand? I can do little stories at a time. I'm okay. I'm in this world and this world and not in this big shared universe where everything is everywhere and it's confusing. Yeah. That's my problem with Marvel and DC too. Like some people are like, did you know that Hawkeye is actually deaf? Hawkeye is deaf by one author's take on him. Like there's so many people talking about so many different people. Right. Like, yeah, and my favorite podcast people, the Brothers McElroy, apparently they're going to be writing the new Miles Morales series, but they have no business doing that. They're just like, okay, we'll do that. They asked him to, and they're like, sure, but there's a whole bunch of other people writing Miles Morales. So it's just, it's easy to get right. all tangled up in that shit for sure. Right. And I, I like to read a book from the beginning. I won't read it. I won't pick it up in the middle. I won't watch a TV series from the middle on. I won't go near it. I have to watch it in order. And if I can't, like, let's say uh, you give me season one, two, three, five, six, seven, and eight, and not season, season four of anything, I won't watch it for the rest of the rest of it until I fa uh, come across season four. I will not touch it. Me too. And that's my problem with the Marvel world and even the DC world is not is the the lack of continuity, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so and that's why I like definitely like the the image of you know of all all these di just different worlds. It's just the story and it's not connected to anything else. Yeah, and I mean, I uh, I find that sticking to an author works for me, and that's why I like DC Comics. Scott Snyder is the shit. He's the guy that's been doing Batman for a hot minute. I don't know if he's still doing it, but the phase of Batman in the new 52 that I like, that's who he's covered. So I'm into Snyder. So anyway. But do you like Ed Brubaker? I don't know who that is. Uh, he wrote some uh, Batman stuff too. He's. Uh, I also have other uh, image stories of him, but I guess he wrote some of the more famous uh, Batman series. Uh, he might have read the the who wrote the Joker uh, the Killing Joke was that? Uh, I don't know off the top of my oh. head. Let me see here. Was that more? Probably, maybe. But anyway, Ed Brubaker has written a lot of Batman stuff. One shot graphic novel by Alan Moore. Yeah, so Alan Moore okay, is also yeah. a fucking big dude too. It's just a totally different. Alan Moore and S Scott Snyder have a totally different thing. Anyway, so uh, we gotta wrap this up, but. Okay. So, uh, yeah, uh, you're going to be reading Spawn for next time, and I'm going to be reading Lock and Key. Very exciting. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed this podcast. Uh, I want to thank the Jazz June for the use of our theme song, Viva La Speed Metal, off the album The Medicine. They are an excellent band, excellent album, and they've helped me through some hard times. I also want to thank the Fat Rat for our outro music because the song is Unity. It is some bouncy, fun EDM music, and I suggest you all find it on YouTube. Anything else you want to say to people before we go, John? Nope, I'm good. Alrighty. Have a good night, y'all. Take it easy. <laughs>